are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. The title of my message this, uh, this morning is, is called A Difficult Decision. And I would like us to, most of us in this room, know the story of Jesus. We know that Jesus died for our sins, and we know that he was raised from the dead. But I want us just to put our knowledge for a sec on the back burner. And I want to read this morning a clip from, from Matthew, uh, Matthew 28, I believe, or 20, uh, 27, Matthew 27. And I'm going to read from the message version this morning. And I want us, when you listen to this, just to take away what you know and put yourself kind of into the story a little bit and kind of like visualize it that you were, you're there as, as a scribe or as a note taker this morning, okay? So why don't you, you know, maybe just to help you focus a little bit, just close your eyes and I'm going to read from the book of Matthew. The soldiers assigned to the governor took Jesus into the governor's palace and got the entire brigade together for some fun. They stripped him and dressed him in a red toga. They uh, made a, uh, fashioned a crown from branches of thorn bushes and set it on his head. They put a stick in the right hand for the scepter, and they knelt before him, mocking in reverence. Bravo, king of the Jews, they said. Bravo. Then they spit on him and hit him in the head with the stick. When they had their fun, they took off the toga and put his own clothes back on. Then they proceeded out to the crucifixion. Along the way, they came a man from Cyrena named Simon, and he made them, they made him carry the cross, arriving at Golgotha, the place they called Skull Hill. They offered him a mild painkiller, which was a mixture of wine and myrrh, but when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink. After they finished nailing him to the cross and were waiting for him to die, they waited a while by throwing dice for his clothes. Above his head, they posted the criminal charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Along with him, they also crucified two criminals, one is right and the other on his left. People began passing along the road, jeered, shaking their hands and mocking lament. You bragged that you could te uh, tear down the temple, then rebuild it in three days? So show us your stuff. Save yourself if you're really God's son. Come down off that cross. The high priests, along with the religious scholars and leaders, were right in the mix, mixing it up with the rest of them, having a great time poking fun at him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. King of Israel, is he? Then let him get down from the cross. We'll all become believers then. He was so sure of God. We'll rescue him, the son of God. He, he, if he wanted to do it, he could do it now. He did claim to be God's son, didn't he? Even the two criminals crucified next to him joined in the mockery. From noon to, to three, the whole earth was dark. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some bystanders who heard him said, He's calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge soaked in sour wine and lifted it on a stick so he could drink. Then the others joked, don't be in such a hurry. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. But Jesus again cried out loudly and breathed his last breath. The cross has become something so familiar to us in our culture. And we see it on necklaces, we see it on bracelets, we see tattoos with crosses on it. and It becomes just something that that we just sort of glance at, but we really don't even 
take the time to really think about the cross anymore or, 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 or remember what it is. See, we know the story. We know that after Jesus died, that He's raised again, and that's the foundation of our Christian faith. But what happens if we didn't know that part? What happens if we were there at that very moment and the resurrection hadn't taken place yet? See, that was a very dark moment in history. That was a place that, that was torturous and, and, and vile. That was a place where, where the enemy triumphed over God. I tried to kill him with Herod. I tried to kill him when he was a baby. But now he's dead. Jürgen Moltmann writes, the cross is utterly incomprehensible factor in the revelation of God. We've become far too used to it. We have surrounded the scandal of the cross with roses. Here the faith of creation, the source of all paganism, breaks down. Here the whole philosophy and wisdom is abandoned to folly. Here God is not God. He is the triumph of the dead, the enemy, the non-church, the lawless state, the blasphemer, the soldiers. Here Satan triumphs over God. Our faith begins at the point where atheists suppose that it must be at an end. Our faith begins with the bleakness and the power which is the night of the cross, abandonment, temptation, and doubt, and everything that exists. You see what that means? Our very faith is born out of uncertainty, darkness, despair. It is out of this seemingly tragedy, this ultimate plan B, that something amazing is born. See, typically in our family, if someone goes on a trip, it's usually me. You know, I go off to speak somewhere, or I'm going to do a camp, or I'm going to a meeting here and there. But now Cindy's starting to travel a little bit more. And when Cindy travels, and I become the, the, the dad at the home and, and watch over my three children. And I remember one time my youngest daughter, I don't remember how old she was at this time, let's say three, maybe four. I remember she fell and she hurt herself. And when she hurt herself, she started to scream at the top of her lungs, I want mommy, I want mommy, I want mommy. And she didn't stop. I want mommy, I want mommy, I want mommy. And then I started to scream, I want mommy, I want mommy, I want mommy. See, the truth of the matter is, is I wonder if this little girl, if she really wanted mom, or if she had a perception that mom could give her something that daddy couldn't give her. I wonder if she really needed mom at that very moment because I'm able to clean up her little knee. I'm able to give her a hug and, and love on her. I'm able to pray for her, but yet she had it in her mind that she needed her mom. Why do I bring that up? You may be at odds with God right now. You're happy with the way your life is turning out. You may be praying and pleading with God, but is it possible this morning that you don't really want God? Is it possible you just want what you think God can give you? How many times have I come to an understanding that I was chasing after my dreams, I was chasing after my goals more than I was chasing after our Lord Jesus Christ? How many times have I, have I seen this end picture and I've run towards it and, and, and all of a sudden I'm just kind of like, you know what, that becomes the most important thing in my life that this comes into fruition or this rough season ends or this answer to the prayer finally comes and you look at that more than we look at God. See, I think as believers we need to challenge ourselves sometimes. Have we fallen into a rut this morning? Have we just been able to just sort of pick up where the crowd goes and walk with it and we don't stop and say, you know what? 
Who am I seeking right now? Am I seeking God? Or am I seeking what I think God can do for me? Because I think every single one of us can fall into that trap. Is it possible today that you don't really want God, but you just want what you think He can give you? Let's read from Exodus 33 this morning. It says, The Lord says to Moses, Get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go out to the land I swore to you. Give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all the other rites that are out there. Now, if this was you, and you're communicating with God, and whatever mountain, whatever struggle you're facing at this very moment, the Lord says to you, go. I have given you the victory. Go. I will send an angel to do battle for you. You know what? Go. It's yours. How many of us would be like, yes! This is what I want. The answer to prayer. God has answered my prayer. Hallelujah. And we run out. But that's not what Moses does. Moses does something that absolutely boggles or blows my mind. Let's pick this up at Exodus 33, verse 12, at Moses' response. One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me who you will send with me. You've told, them, you've told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If this is true, that you look favorably on me, then let me know your way so I will understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Verse 14, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and the people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from the other people of the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Did you catch that? The Lord promised him the answer that he'd been praying for. Here's the promised land. It's yours. Go. And Moses just thinks about like, okay, good, the promised land. We're going to get victory over all these guys. But wait a minute. God, you didn't say you're going to go with us. In fact, he says, Lord, if you don't go, I'd rather stay here in the wilderness. I'd rather just stay right here if you don't go with me. So Lord, make it so clear. God, are you coming? Man, God, give us that heart. Give us a heart that, that says, Lord, I want your blessings, God. Lord, I see what you've promised me and stuff, but God, that stuff is all cool. But Lord, I want you. Nothing else will satisfy my, my, the desire in my heart. Nothing else will fill that longing, God, but a deep, intimate relationship with God. My friends, when things are going so well and money's coming in and our family's doing well and everybody's healthy and, and happy, do we get so sidetracked that we're just like, man, Lord, thank you for these blessings. Man, this is awesome. 
but we take our eyes off of who is the giver of them. You know, we sing that song in church sometimes. We don't want blessings. We, don't want, we only want you. And when, I, when we're singing that, I, as I'm singing that, I'm just like, I don't know if I want to sing that. I like your blessings, Lord. I like you too, but I want both. But am I able, in my heart of hearts, when I'm alone and I'm not in front of you preaching or being a pastor, am I able to sit there and say, God, if you never do anything for me again, God, I'm okay with that. For the work that you did on the cross, sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, God, that is more than I deserve. Are you able to sit in that place where it's just kind of like, God, first and foremost, I want you. Lord, you are amazing. God, I desire your heart. I want to know you, God. Lord, you've shown me so many promises, so many cool things for the future. But God, I don't want them unless you are with me, God. Help us, God, to get to that place. Help us to get to that place where honestly our hearts cry out, Lord, if you don't give me one more thing in this life, then I still owe you everything. You know what? I think sometimes we think that we can sum up Christianity and our theology with a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. But it's not like that, is it? Life is so much deeper than that. Life is so much more complicated. For sometimes we as Christians... We have more questions than answers, don't we? Sometimes even though we know God is with us, we can feel alone. Even though we believe in God, we can have doubt. In fact, uh, when, the, when the Lord said, if you can heal my, my, sir, uh, my daughter, would you heal? And the Lord says, if? Well then, Lord, help me in my unbelief to believe. And sometimes we suspect God knows what He's doing, but we really don't want to do things His way. We want to do it our way. Like the cross, life is messy. The question is, are you willing to find Him in the middle of a mess? Jesus understands how complex and how confusing this world could be. In fact, in John 16, He speaks about two realities, and I want to share them with you this morning. Let's give you a quick background first. Jesus is about to be crucified. He's heading for the cross. He's carrying the sins of the world. In other words, he's getting ready to pay a penalty that was ours to pay. And he said, I've told you these things that so, you have made, so you may have peace in me. In this world you will have trouble, but be brave. I have defeated the world. Does anybody in this room this morning need that peace that he's offering us? Does anybody say, you know what, Lord, I need to receive your peace because, God, I've heard about it, but, God, I need it downloaded to my spirit. Then the very next words out of Jesus' mouth reminds us just why peace is so important. In this world, you will have trouble. If you believe the word of God is truth, then there's no other way to live but in the center of his presence and in peace. Louis Gigolo says, First, Jesus clearly states that we're going to have trouble in this world. Then he tells us to be brave because he's defeated this world. These are two statements, and if you separate them, you have two bad theologies. 
We all know believers in this room who have the first theology that in this world you will have trouble. And we walk around with our heads down like, oh man, the bomb is going to drop any minute now. Man, I tell you what, this is, it's going to be a bad day. Because the Bible says I'm going to have trouble in this world and just I might as well hanker down and wait for it because uh, it's coming my way. And we walk in this whole doom and gloom type of scenario. But then the second part is, but be brave. I've overcome this world. And if that's all we take, then we walk in a, with a different bent theology. We walk in the theology of, you know what, just uh, fake it till you make it. You know what, it doesn't really matter. God, God is going to take care of everything. If I'm a believer, I'm going to be prosperous. I'm going to have, I'm the head, not the tail. I am everything. God has got me. I, the whole world is mine. All I got to do, God asks, uh, owns a cattle on a thousand hill. I just got to ask him for a cattle. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm going to walk in inheritance. And boom, God is going to come through. But if we walk in that theology, when all of a sudden trouble comes our way, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, God. Uh, I, Lord, I, I've, I've named it and claimed it. I'm not supposed to go this way, God. Like, Lord, I, I, I'm favored. Why am I facing this right now? And then we start to get to the place of, oh, man, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm not even a Christian. These are two theologies that people run with that are, are dangerous alone, but the, the Bible, we've got to bring them together and read it as the verse as it is. For when you put them together, we have what Jesus was talking about. We have a complete theology. We as believers are not exempt from trouble, even serious trouble. We're not exempt from plan Bs, but at the same time, we can have complete confidence that Jesus will win out over trouble, and there is where we find our hope. My friends, when you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, do you know that the Lord deposit a seed of hope into your spirit? And that seed starts to water and it starts to grow. And you know how God says that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, that you can speak to that mountain, be moved, and it shall be removed? That is a believer who is walking with a healthy portion of faith and a healthy portion of, of, of walking in that place of just saying, God, I trust you. But what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take that hope and he wants to squelch it. Because that hope is very dangerous against the kingdom of darkness. Do you know that Jesus himself said that you can do greater miracles than he did? That's crazy. Man, he raised people from the dead. He caused blind eyes to open, demons fleeing. But that same Jesus who did that says, you guys have going to walk in a greater authority than I had. It's, it's mind-boggling. But how? So the enemy, does he want that to happen? Absolutely not. That would be detrimental to his kingdom. So what happens is when all of a sudden we start to, to get into a situation that is was difficult or it's kind of like whatever then we then we start to say well god where are you in this and we start to struggle with whole trust and that that seed or that spark of hope starts to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer but i'm here to say this morning that every single one of us have that seed inside of us and this morning through the grace of the holy spirit holy spirit wants to fan that into flame where we can walk 
on scorpions and not be stung. And we can drink poison and, and it won't harm us because God is in us and everything is, is amazing. That's who we serve. We just had our um, women's conference here this last weekend and Charlie Robinson was our speaker. And Charlie was saying something to me in the car which, which just kind of stuck with me. He said, you know what? A couple of years ago, I almost died. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I've heard people say that before. I almost died, but what does that mean? Like, got almost got hit by a car, but it was close. Like, what what does that mean? Because I had a bad tooth, and I went to the the dentist, and they didn't want to pull it. But I'm like, you got to get this tooth out of me, and they pulled it. But there was two roots on it that they didn't know that were there, and when they pulled it, they ended up affecting another tooth somehow, and then they had to pull that tooth later on, and and some kind of a from this abscess poison got into his blood and when that happened he he developed a rash all over his body that when he went to the hospital he took off his shirt and the doctor said if i got anyone who speaks french here because i think it's so cool in french anyone who speaks french what do you say how do you say my god oh my god in french oh mon the doctor he took off his french uh, shirt and the doctor went oh mon dieu oh my god how many people know if the doctors say that to you, it's probably not a good idea? It's probably not a good result. And he said, this rash looked like the flesh-eating disease all over my body. And he says, and then my organs started shutting down. I started losing consciousness, and my wife started battling in prayer. He says, I would eat something. He goes, it was the strangest thing. As I eat it, I would feel it go down my esophagus, but bypass my stomach, and it would go right into my intestines. And he says it was the most painful thing. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I, I was just, I was, in, I was at death's door. And I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds like pretty, pretty close to I almost died. And he says, but something happened to me which I found amazing. And I said, what? He says, I found that all of a sudden the, that, that river of living water that is placed inside of each one of us, it started to bubble up. And although I was sure I was going to die, I just started saying, Lord, you are so good to me, God. Lord, you are my everything. God, I just love you so much, God. And he says, you know what? That, you, know, you can't rehearse that. You can't prepare for that. You know, like, I could, I could preach this type of a message. You're like, okay, taking notes. Okay, so when I get on death's door, I should re rejoice that God has been good to me. Well, I don't know what you're going to be like. Will fear enter into there where it's kind of like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die? Or will you have that sense of, of God just overwhelming you? With me, where will I be? I don't know. But God, I pray that I would have such an intimate relationship with you, God. That, Lord, no matter where I am, that river of living water will bubble where I can say, God, I give you everything. Lord, you are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my Savior. You are my everything, Lord. We're closing this series down today with that whole understanding that God in this world, we will have troubles, but be brave. I've overcome the world. And when we put that together, 
and we understand that God is our peace, God is our strength, God is our fortress, then that permeates inside of our spirit that we can stand on His presence and say, God, this situation that I'm facing right now, it's grim, it's dark, I don't like it. But God, I love you. I'm crazy about you, God. Lord, you're my everything. So as believers, we need to understand that the cross is not just the starting line where we want to receive forgiveness of sins, where we have first found the Lord, but it needs to be the plumb line, the center of our being. You know, so many times when we give our, our, our life to Christ, we, we, th- we ponder the cross. But the cross needs to be part of who we are daily going to the Lord and just saying, God, how am I doing? How are we doing, God? Let me close this morning with this scripture. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain in God's inner sanctuary. That's Hebrews uh, 6.19. Isn't that powerful? We need to have our soul anchored. That in the midst of trials, we can say, God, I need your peace. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares, all your anxieties upon me, for I care for you. I remember saying to, 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 to uh, Rhonda Calhoun, I said, Rhonda, I know me. And I know that, you know what, I, I got Deborah sitting right there. And let's say Deborah says to me after the service, she comes up to me and says, you know what, that was a crappy message, you suck, I'm leaving the church. Okay, but it, it, it kind of bothers me, you know? You're like, well, you know, God, did I, did I speak what you asked me to speak or did I miss it? And, you know, she may be gone, but all of a sudden it just starts to, to, to work away a little bit. I'm like, man, like I can lose sleep over that kind of stuff. I'm like, God, you have to let, help me, Lord, just to, to have that fear of God and not that fear of man. And I said to Rhonda, I said, Rhonda, if the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7 to cast our cares and our anxieties upon him for he cares for us, like really, little things can really eat away at me and really cause an uncertainty inside of my heart. What would have happened if all of a sudden my kids are three and seven and, uh, three, seven and nine or three, eight and nine what happens if all of a sudden one of my kids was to start doing drugs as a teenager? What happens if one of my kids were to completely come up to me and say, Dad, I just decided I'm going to walk away from the Lord. I don't, I'm going to reject all of what you've been teaching us as a, as, a, as a dad. When little things bother me, how do you handle it when something massive hits you? And as I wrestled with the Lord in that, I wrestled with the Lord in that, and I said, God, I want to be who you've created me to be. I really believe that the Lord said to me, he says, Lance, it's by practicing being in my presence. When all of a sudden it's kind of like, Lord, it's not about stuff. It's not about issues. It's about you and me. And when I spend that time in the presence of God, and I just lavish on him, and he lavishes on me. 
when something comes up that is so difficult as a dad that I can stand in that place and say, God, you know how much I love Mackenzie. You know how much I love Lucas. God, liberty is just amazing. But they're yours, God. And God, you can do such a better job than I can. So God, I release them into your hands, Lord. And help me not to allow fear to overtake me. Because your word says that fear is not from you, God. But help me to stand in that place and just say, God, I trust you. And Lord, I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to press through. And I'm going to do the warfare on my knees. But God, my relationship with you is strong enough to say, I trust you through my most precious possession. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if you guys think that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff, I think about it all the time. And it's just kind of like, God, how? How am I going to be if all of a sudden, you know, my wife uh, left after the worship? What would happen if all of a sudden she got hit in a car accident and passed? It would be so hard. And, and I, can't, I can't tell you how I would react because I don't know. But I pray in those dark times that the Lord would just lavish His love and His presence so much in my quiet time with Him. And maybe I would be upset. Maybe I would be angry. But I pray that God would just fill me so full that it would be like, God, it is well with my soul. And Lord, I trust You with everything. My friends, in this world, you will have trouble. But be brave. He has overcome the world. See, that, as a believer, is our leg up on the world. See, whether you're a believer or not a believer, you're going to have troubles in this world. But if you don't know who God is, you don't have someone who you know is fighting for you. You don't have someone who you know is intercede. Do you know that Jesus intercedes for you? That is amazing. Jesus in heaven is praying for you. He's praying for your family. The Bible tells us that if, I, if, I, if I'm concerned about a sparrow falling out of a tree, how much more do I care about you? That's our hope. That's our peace. And sometimes peace comes in a weird sense that's like, I don't really feel peace right now. And you say, God, I am feeling so messed up. I am feeling so confused. But God, help me in my weakness to press into your presence. Help me in my doubt to believe the Word of God. Help me to contend for my family and to fight for what I know is right. Help me to stand in that place where I say, God, I trust You. you know, maybe you're in the room this morning and Holy Spirit's just speaking to you and saying, Son, Daughter, do you trust me? 
Do you trust me with everything? And as Holy Spirit asks us that, and if you're honest with yourself and you say, I don't know if I do. Truthfully, God, have I been chasing your blessings or have I been chasing you, God? Then I want to pray for you this morning. And I'm just going to call up some people to help me up, help me out. And we just want to lay hands on you because in the book of Matthew, we learn about the, a prayer that's called the prayer of agreement. And the prayer of agreement is a powerful prayer. Because what the prayer of agreement is, is when you stand with somebody and they say, you know what, this is what I'm believing, and I say, I believe, I'm believing that with you. Then all of a sudden, where, where two of us come together, we send a legion fling. Where one of us can put 1,000 uh, a flight, two of us can put 10,000 a flight. It's all the spirit of multiplication. I get people saying all the time, Pastor, you're pretty transparent in front of people. I try to be transparent. I don't want to be that guy that's up on a podium that's just kind of like, hey, I'm in life. I need you praying for me as I pray for you. We're in this journey together. But my heart is a heart that says, God, I want to know you so intimately. God, would you help me in my weaknesses? Because in my weakness, you are strong. So if Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, he's saying, son, daughter, I want to do a little shift in you. I want to change your focus. Will you allow that? And I want to pray for you this morning. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, pastor. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. let's stand as worship the lord and as you raise your hands i'm just going to encourage you to come on up to the front so we can pray the prayer of agreement and say you know what god we need you to be the anchor of our souls amen bless you We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.